Sometimes I'll get asked, uh, how come you didn't talk about, and someone will name some event going on in the world. And You know, it, it's hard to uh, always talk about things going on globally. And the reason why I don't is because I want to focus on our church. I want to focus on our impact. And it's just hard to keep up with everything going on internationally with all the wars, like the war with Ukraine and Russia. And on the front end of that, we prayed for that. But we're not giving updates on that, right? And uh, the, the earthquakes and volcanoes, all of these things. I remember w- when the dam broke in Midland, Michigan. That was one thing. That's our community. That's our state. Let's jump on that. So we started getting items to those who had lost their homes in Midland. So there are certain events that take place that we want to address And then there are other things that happen globally or event-wise or politically uh, that I do feel like I must talk about because there are some things that are biblical with political implications, which is why I talked about Prop 3 and my position on, on life and why I felt like that was a bad prop. I wouldn't normally tell people how to vote, but I did that time. I said, you know, think about this. And, and today is one of those messages where we're going to talk about an event that's going on in our world, but has, it's biblical as well. But the media is never going to tell us about the biblical piece of it. And, and this is one of those things that, I, you know, I like saying it this way. I don't want to tell you how to think, I'm gonna, but I want to give you something to think about. And this is the way, the way I am seeing this, the way that I think as a pastor and biblically what's going on. So I want to take today and talk about the conflict that's going on in the Middle East between Hamas and Israel or uh, the Palestinians and, and the Israelis. I want to take a minute to talk about that. I want to answer two questions, how we should view this. Uh, and I'm going to share my views uh, uh, on it and how we should respond. And no matter how you view it, I think all of us should respond the, the same way. But I want to talk about uh, what's going on in the nation of Israel and what's going on in Palestine. And just to, just to set it up before we jump in, into the scriptures, it, uh, a few things we should know about Palestine, because when we hear that word, we think of a people group, but it's not actually a people group, it's a region. So there are Arab Palestinians, and then there are Israeli Palestinians, and then they're in that region of Palestine. And by the way, Palestine has never been a state. This is the thing, so we hear things on the news like they're being occupied or Palestine. Being, uh, Palestine was never a state. And we'll talk about the two-state solution a little bit today. But it was never a state. So when we say that, we tend to think of Arabs or Muslims or those of the Islamic faith. But there are Arabs who are Christians. There are Israelis who are, who are Christians and vice versa. So it, it is, but primarily there, there are Israelites or Jewish people. We say Jews today. Jewish, uh, the Jewish people there and descendants who are Arabs and Turks that, that dwell there in the region of Palestine. But I want to talk about Israel specifically because it is a nation that, that I believe God developed. And I want to speak into that this morning to talk about how we should view it and the reason why. Uh, before I went on, before I took uh, the vacation for the last two weeks, that last Sunday I was here, I got up that morning and I seen all the protests going on around the globe. And, and so we, we prayed about it that morning. And that morning I decided, I think I should probably talk about this for two reasons. Uh, just even right here in our own community, hearing different uh, whispers and rumors of how people think of Jewish people. And even uh, one of our uh, pastors on staff got a text 
with uh, someone in, in our network of churches, and they reached out and said, hey, I got a person in our congregation, they hate Jews. And so I know that this exists. I was supposed to go to Israel this October. I was really excited, looking forward to it. In fact, on October 6th, Jen and I went and spent about $400. You know how you do when you go on a big trip like that. You just spend money you shouldn't spend, but we're getting hiking shoes and everything. And that was October 6th, and the 7th, the war breaks out. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to go. And we planned it in 2020, but that thing happened. And then in 21, they still hadn't opened the borders. And in 2022, there was just not a, a trip scheduled. Finally, 23, okay, four years, this is it. Nope. Uh, but anyway, uh, but I thought we need to, we need to pray, pray for Israel. So the, the, know that about Palestine. There are Arabs and Jewish people in the Palestine region. The word Palestine, uh, well, there's, I want to talk about the uh, history of the word, but when that region became known as Palestine is Rome. Rome had conquered Israel uh, and it was called Judea at the time Roman had occupied the, what we know as Palestine. And it was the Romans, when they pushed out the Jewish nation, they changed the name from Judea, which was a, a Jewish name, a Jewish region. There was Galilee north of it and then Judea. And both Galilee and Judea was the region of Palestine or is the region of Palestine. And it was the Roman Empire that made that change. And that's where that name comes from. But when it happened, there were Romans there. And then throughout history, which we'll talk about, um, it became predominantly known as what we call Palestine today. So three ways I want us to think about and view um, what's going on in the Middle East is, number one, Israel has a biblical right, a historical right, and a political right to the land of Palestine. So I want to start here. Oh, let me pause because I got to say something. Nothing, I hope my heart can be projecting this because nothing in this message is about or against a people group or is against Islam. Now, I, I do, I, I'll say some things about Islam in this message, but here's what I want you to know. I believe there are Muslims who are peaceful, but Hamas is a terrorist organization who, you know, under the umbrella of Allah and I would say this at least about the difference between Islam and Christianity is the God of Islam in the Quran, the nature of that God is completely different than the nature of the Christian God. So we kind of, the, you know, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, all of those have a, a monotheistic view that there's only one God. Uh, and all of them claim that they have the one God. But Islam says that they, they worship the God of Abraham, and I would I say, no, they don't. If you look at the God of Abraham in, in, the, in the scriptures, it looks different than the God of Islam. So, but I, so it's not against a people, but there is some distinctions we should probably talk about. So Israel has a biblical and a historical and a political right to the land of what we call Palestine. So I want to talk about those three pieces quickly, which won't really be quick. I took me forever last service. And then kind of keep working our way through it. So biblically, just two verses biblically that I believe share this. Genesis 15, 18. This is the Lord revealing himself to Abraham. Abraham served God of the Chaldeans uh, in the land of Ur, which was east of Palestine. 
and he calls them out of that land and sends them to the land, the Canaanites, and God gives them a promise about this land. And it says, so the Lord made a, a covenant with Abraham that day and said, I've given this land, what we call Palestine, um, and even beyond, uh, Palestine to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt, that, that border still exists today, and the great Euphrates rivers and the land now occupied by the, the, the Canaanites, the Canaanites, the Kadamites, the Hittites, the Persites, the mosquito bites, bug bites, all the bites. <laughs> You're going to get all that. And uh, so he gives him a promise that that's on. So biblically, God sets a precedent precedent that biblically uh, this is for the people of Israel. Genesis 17, he reiterates this. I will establish my covenant, and he calls it an everlasting covenant. There are kind of two views about the covenant with Abraham. One view is it's everlasting. God still has a plan for Israel. That's my view. Uh, There are others who view like, no, once the church was birthed in the book of Acts, it it took the place of the covenant of Israel. And I I don't think, I'm not like dual covenant, but I do think there's dual relationship. I do do think God still has a plan for Israel. And uh, because he says here plainly, it's everlasting. And I believe God. It says, between me and you and your descendants after for generations to come uh, to be your God and, and, uh, and to the descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, which we listed, wh- where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give an everlasting possessions to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. So the land of what we call Palestine became a nation of Israel, and biblically, God says that's their land. And I know, you know, this is controversial today. It's very nuanced. It's very complex, and I can't cover all the complexities of it. But uh, I do believe biblically that there is a place for Israel in the land of Palestine. Let me talk about the historical, right? Historically, Israel has been there at least 2,000 years before Jesus, or at least 1900. It was around 1900 B.C. that uh, this is revealed to Abraham. Abraham is living there with just, you know, just his family, and then he grows his family, and then uh, his grandson has what we call the 12 tribes of Israel, Isaac, or his grandson, Jacob, I mean, becomes Israel. His name is changed to Israel. They grow as just a tribal people, nomads who were living in the land of Canaan, but they didn't own it yet. They weren't, they didn't conquer it yet. They didn't own it. And then they're, they're sent to Egypt, and I think that happens around the 17th century, and they're there for 400 years. And, in, and then eventually get enslaved by the Egyptians. God sends Moses to deliver them. This is around the 13th century. And they, in the 13th century, Moses takes them out. Joshua is the one who begins to conquer the land about you know, 40 years after they are delivered from Israel. So historically, they have been there. About 1,000 B.C., David becomes king and conquers um, a, a village. And he names that village Jerusalem, and it becomes the capital of Israel. And now this is one of the most contested pieces of land and all the earth and you know it's like the the temple is something like three or four acres and it's like the thing that you always this is mind-boggling that some small piece of land is always talked about in the media it has been all of my adult life yearly is, is talked about and then in 720 uh bc 10 of those 12 tribes so we become a nation david makes jerusalem the capital and then 10 of those tribes break off after the death of, uh, I can't remember if it's David or Solomon. Uh, they, they break off, and then it's just 
two different tribes. There's a nation of Israel, and then there's Judea and Benjamin. And the ten tribes are conquered by Assyria, and then eventually in 586, uh, the other two tribes are conquered by Babylon. And so this is where they start becoming dispersed. So they conquer it with Moses and Joshua, and that's when it becomes their land. They still dwelt with the Canaanites. There were still other, the other uh, people groups still lived there. And God tells them, hey, when the foreigner resides with you, he gives them a way to live with the foreigner, which is peaceful. And if they, they, they embrace your laws, they can live with you. Uh, but, you know, don't allow evil to exist there. So they, they, that's, that happens. And then eventually, at, in 586, they're dispersed among the nations. And this is the first time where Israel ceases to become a nation. They're not a nation anymore. And then uh, 500, 500 years of the Persians and Greece occupied it. Then 63 BC is when Rome takes over that region. And it's in 63 BC, and Rome governs it from 63 BC all the way to 313 CE, Common Era. So 300 some years after Jesus. So almost 400 years, Rome is occupying it. And it's the Romans who changed the region from the name of Judea to Palestine. And, and they pushed, the, and, and the Romans pushed the Jews out. And some historians believe that Rome's goal was to eradicate uh, Jews in that region. So that's why they changed the name. Uh, and then 313, then the, the, uh, another, the Benzite conquers it. They have it for 300 years. And then six, 636, common era, Arabs come in or Muslims come in and occupy Palestine. And this is where they enter the story. So 2,000 plus years, Israel is the center of it. And then Islam and, and the Muslim faith interjects there, and they, they have it occupied for about 300 some years. And this is when they build the Temple Dome in 691, which is still in Jerusalem today, which is like a, a mosque for the, the um, Islamic people. Then in 1,000, 1100 B.C., the Crusaders came in, and then there was the Ottoman Empire in the 1500s, and they dominated for about uh, all the way to the 1900s until World War I, and then Britain conquers the, uh, the Turks, and then they take over, and now Britain occupies the Palestine area up until World War II. So historically, Biblically, God says it's their land. Historically, they have been there even before what we call modern-day Palestine and the Arabs and before Muslims and Islams become a part of that. So the thing, and we're not being told this as part of the history is not being uh, said, and I think historically I want to say this. I want to take time to talk about this today so that we have a grasp on it so we can have a biblical view of what's happening. But historically, they have been there. But what we tend to think is, no, Israel came in in the 1940s and they overtook a bunch of people and they kicked people out, which they did not. If you look at the research, every area of modern-day Israel where Arab Palestinians live, they have a better lifestyle than the, than the other Arab nations around them. They're more prosperous. They live longer. I mean, you just look at the research. They are a blessing to the Arab people. And then uh, and after World War II... Let's talk about the political piece now. So World War II, at the end of that, they, uh, the United Nations, or what we now call the United Nations, declares Israel a nation. But even before that, there were four massive waves of immigrants. Now remember, the Babylonians and Assyrians pushed them out. So they were dispersed 
you know, 60, uh, 500, 400 years before Jesus, the Romans conquered. They pushed them out again in 70 AD and, and another time a few hundred years later, they do it again. This is when it becomes Palestine. So they are a dispersed people. They are the ones who've been living in other lands. And God calls them back to, to their land. So politically, from the 1880s, Israel, Jews started moving back to Israel. And they weren't taking land. They were purchasing land from Arabs. So that's what we, we're being told. They're occupying the thing. They never took it. There were wars that the Arabs uh, incited, and they took land then. They conquered land, but they never had intended to take it. They would buy it. So they were buying land that was theirs. They own it. So that this was this was happening. There were four waves from the 1800s all the way up until at the end of World War II. Four massive people moving back. But Israel back in that time from 1880s all the way to the 1940s wasn't well populated like it is today. So, but but the mentality, or at least the thing that I feel like I pick up from the media is like, oh, there's been this people there. There's been millions there. They've been pushed out by Israel, and none of that is true. So. Historically, they've always been there. Politically, in 1917, the Balfour Declaration is when Britain announces there can be a national home for the Jewish people. Uh, the Arabs immediately reject that. In 1947, after World War II, the United Nations proposed an Arab and a Jewish state in the land. I'm going to talk about a two-state solution in a moment. Uh, that the Arabs rejected that. And in May 14, 1948, uh, Israel is declared a nation again. That's May 14th. Let me just pause and say, that's a modern-day miracle. Never in history, think about this, never, never, I can't emphasize this, never in history has a nation, a people group who's been dispersed, by the way, has, has ceased to exist and becomes a nation again. It'd be a little bit like if the American Indians started pulling back together from all over the United States and they... They get a portion of the United States back, and they become a, a nation again. See, that, that's how radical it is. It's a modern-day modern miracle. Ezekiel 34, 13 tells us this. This is a prophetic word that Ezekiel gives to a dispersed people who are all over the world. This, had, this, this prophetic verse from Ezekiel has never happened until 1948. I will bring them out of the nations. Remember, because they're dispersed from the Assyrians. They're dispersed from the Babylonians. They're dispersed from, from Rome. And they're, they're, they're all over the world. I will bring them back and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel and the ravines and no settlements in the land. That not, May 14th, 1948 was a miracle. That prophetic verse came, became true in 1948. So the thing that we're being told, and if you don't know much about the Middle, the Middle East, it feels like Israel just has it all and they're taking it all and they're occupying and they're kicking people out and they've never done that. We'll talk about a little bit of that in a minute. But I want to show you a photo of all the Islamic nations around Israel. There's 22 nations and many of them hate Jews. The, of the Islamic faith, they, they hate Jews. And you, you can't hardly see it, so down here is Africa. Way up there at the top where you see Syria and then you see Lebanon, that little tiny gray area is Israel. That little, that, listen, 
I believe Israel is desperately trying to hold on the sliver of God's promise that they have. Because everything from, uh, from that Iraq and Jordan, and uh, not quite all the way up to Syria, but that whole region from the Euphrates rivers over it is what God promised them. And now in modern day Israel is from the Jordan River over to the sea. And it's so small, about the size of the state of New Jersey. So Israel isn't like taking away from a mass people who, who, who the world is telling, the media is telling us they got no place to go. No, there are 22 nations. And Jordan, by the way, is the, the state that most people believe historically is the, is the place for a two-state solution. Jordan would have been that, but it's been rejected. So there's a biblical right, there's a historical right, and then there is also a, a political right for Israel to be there. Number two, something to think about. There is an ancient hatred, and it's irrational. There is an ancient, irrational hatred for the people of Israel. There has never been a human race in history that has been so persecuted as the Jews. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Greece, Persia, Rome, the Ottoman Empire, the, the Roman Empire, the Arab rule, the Third Reich, and from the 1930s and 1940s, and now it's global. But there is an irrational hatred for the people of Israel. In the 1300s, Jews were blamed for a plague. In the 1500s, um, one of the heroes of our faith who starts the Protestant movement, Martin Luther, he just was radically, had radical negative views of Jews, talked about burning their synagogues down and things like of that nature. So there's, it's always been irrational, at least in, in my mind. You see this in the book of Esther. I think it's spiritual. We, we see that uh, Haman hates Jewish people. If you know much about the story, uh, read it. It's an incredible story about how God redeems Israel. But in chapter 3, it says, what, if it pleases the king, let it decrease. So Haman's asking, like, an issue to be destroyed. He wants to destroy Israel, the Israelites. So the king took the signet ring off his finger and gave it to Haman uh, and said the enemy of, called him the enemy of the Jews. An ancient, this has been going around for centuries and millennia, an ancient hatred for the Jewish people. And now it's global. And we, we have a group, uh, you know, just all these protests. Even Saturday, yesterday, in London, tens of thousands gathered and were protesting against Israel. And they want a ceasefire, and I, I, I think that should happen, but can't happen when you have a, a group, a terrorist organization, you can't negotiate with them. We'll talk about that in a second. But it's, it's global now. I want you to look at these photos. This was... Um, I stand with Palestine, Black Lives Matter, you know, so not standing with God's people, not, not understanding the political history, at least in my view. What's the other one? There's another one. I, by, this is one of the protests for Palestine, by any means necessary. What do you think that's implying? Death. It's implying to eradicate Jewish people because of the irrational hatred of Jewish people. 
and the misrepresentation from the media of the Palestine being occupied by Israel and they had no place to go. And now nations globally, it used to be nationally with Germany and now it's just going global and by any means necessary. It means take their life. Here's another one. Uh, this one shocks me. I believe this was in Paris. Uh, keep the world clean. When you view people as not worthy of life, you draw essentially as trash. When you view people of, like they're trash, the, what do you think the trash can Throw them away, get rid of them. This, what, what do you do with trash? You get rid of it. So what is this implying? There's an ancient hatred over the nations. This two-state solution, so the kind of the talk since World War II has been, let's produce two states. That was rejected by the Arabs. But a two-state solution and peace in the Middle East is highly unlikely for three reasons. Uh, num the number one reason, this is not on the screen, but the goal of Arab leaders has, has always been for the destruction of the Jews globally. They, they don't believe there should be a Jewish state. Uh, Arab and Muslim position is that Jewish people are not entitled to own any state anywhere in the world, which is why they want to eradicate them. It's not about getting land and sharing land. It's not about that. That's what, anytime you see that the, the Arab community on, uh, in any media news outlet talking about a two-state solution, it is only to gain the West's sympathy. There is actually no, um, they have no plans to make it a two-state solution. You can just look at their, their talks from Arab leaders, how they want to eradicate Christians and eradicate America and eradicate Jewish people. So there is no plan when you don't believe people are entitled to a land. They want to eradicate them. The Hamas terrorist organization, they were founded in the 1980s. Listen to the article. When they had their articles of incorporation, here's what they said in Article 6. The Islamic resistance movements is a distinguished Palestinian movement with the allegiance to Allah and whose way of life is Islam is, and strives to raise the banner of Allah over every inch of Palestine. There is no plans to ever share that. Every inch. Israel will exist and will continue to exist until Islam will obliterate it. That is the goal of Hamas. Gaza, Israel pulled out of Gaza back in 2005 out of international pressure and really striving for peace. Israel has many times has strived for peace. Not once has the Arab nations or the Arab Palestinian people come to the table. They've always rejected it every single time from the early 1900s to present day. Why is it that Hamas has been running Gaza since 2007? And multiple times through, through the early 2000s and the 2010s, multiple times they attacked the own place, the very own place that they run. Hamas has been uh, running Gaza since 2007. And they've attacked it like three or four times. Why? To get, not to share land, to eradicate Israelites, to eradicate Jewish people. So it, it's, it's near impossible. This was from a Palestinian authority in 19, or 1999 on April 30th in one of his messages. The land of Muslim Palestine is a single unit which cannot be divided. See, there is, there is no plan to ever have a two-state solution or peace. 
says it cannot be divided. There's no difference between, and he names a couple of lands. He said between Jerusalem and Nazareth and the Palestinians is sacred. The land for the benefit of all Muslims, east and west, no one has the right to divide it or give it up. That's from a national leader. I believe it was the Washington Post posted that like a year later. And there's many examples of this. Here's a picture of Hitler with a Muslim leader uh, in, in Jerusalem. This was a Muslim leader, in, the Muslim Jerus- leader in Jerusalem. And what they are discussing, this is documented, historically they are discussing the eradication of Jewish people and their equal hatred for Jewish people. Uh, Hitler quotes this, saying this in, in this event, in this story, he says, talks about the continued struggle against Jewish people, uh, the complete destruction of a Jewish uh, European empire, now, remember, at the time this photo is taken, Britain is occupying Palestine. And, is, and Hitler has plans to overtake Europe, kill every Jew in Europe. That's what they call the final solution, get rid of all Jewish people. And now he's promising, once I beat Europe, I'll set you, because I'll conquer England too, I'll set you free from Britain, and then we'll, we'll do the same thing in Israel. And here's what, or in, in Jerusalem, Hitler assured him, quote, this is Hitler, the hour of liberation was at hand, and the goal at the time would be to annihilate every Jew living in Arab space under the protection of British Empire. It's an ancient hatred. And now it's global. Another reason why this will never happen is because Islam ideology uh, will never succeed land that the Muslims have conquered. It would be dishonoring for, for Muslims to give back land. Even if they get conquered again, they will never succeed it. Any territory that they conquered, remember that was conquered in the 600 by Muslims. It would be dishonoring to them. So that, that will never happen. It, I, I share all this to say the, the peace that we're being told in the meeting, the two-state solution we're being told, this will never happen, it's unlikely at least. It would be a miracle if it did, but it's unlikely. So we must understand these things historically, biblically, so that we, when we hear something in media, we just don't take it at face value. We think about it. These are the attacks against Jewish people before they were a nation, before 1940, 1929, They tell their Muslim brothers and sisters, leave the region, and then when we conquer it from Jews, we'll give you back your place, and plus you'll get get back the land that the Jews have been buying from you since the 1800s. So this whole thing that Israel has displaced Jewish people is a complete lie. It was actually the Muslim leaders who have pushed them out during that war of 1948. Israel eventually wins. And now they are displaced, and they're rejected by their own people of Palestine. Israel wins another war. Then, so they attacked them in 1948. They attacked them in 1967, the six uh, the six day war, and that this is when Israel gets Jerusalem, when they get Gaza, and they get the Golan Heights. All of this is Palestine. They get that. Then in 2005, in attempts for peace, they give back the Golan or the Gaza, and then Hamas 
after Israel, in attempts for peace, gives Gaza to Palestine, what do they do? They vote in a terrorist organization called Hamas, whose goal is to eradicate Jews, and they become in power, and they start attacking the place they control, 2008, 2009, 2014, 2021, and then again on October 7th, on 23. Hamas is a terrorist, murderous organization. They kill 1,400 Israelites, over 5,000 wounded, taken 200, at least we know of, 243 hostage, launched thousands and thousands of rockets on that day, raped women, killed infants and children, killed Holocaust survivors. Can you imagine surviving the Holocaust? cost of the 1940s and then your life ends with someone taking you you relive it again they use their own people as human shields and then they spin it to the media as they're attacking hospitals when israel knows no they have they're doing this all in the name of islam all in the name of jihad this this incorporates hezbollah hezbollah and it also Iran, these surrounding nations are funding Hamas. And here we are globally saying at any means necessary. We're saying chants like from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, Palestine shall be free. That sounds like a slogan to the West, but really to the Middle East, they're saying kill every Jew. That's what that slogan means. It doesn't mean like, oh, free, like the land of the free, and let's all sing Kumbaya from the Jordan River. to the... No, it's literally a slogan from the Middle East to kill Jewish people. So don't like that on Facebook, like it's some freedom thing. It's an ancient hatred. It's anti-Semitic, and God hates no people. And as Christians, we're called to love all people. We're called to love the Jewish people. We're called to love the people of Islam. We're called to love the people of the Middle East. We're called to love all people. We're called to love our enemies. But there is that ancient hatred. It'll never happen because their goal is to destroy Jews. And the ideology of Islam was never to give back land. And let me just say this. So right now we're calling for a permanent ceasefire. And Israel's being up front, they're like, that's not going to happen. And so the whole world's like, why not? This is, they say it's disproportionate to what Hamas did. And, but the reality is war is not fair. And the way you win a war is by taking more lives than the other nation. Now, I'm not for war. Don't mishear me. Don't misquote me. I'm, I want there to be peace. I want there to be a ceasefire. I wish that was possible. But when you're dealing with evil, you don't negotiate. How can you negotiate with a people whose very goal is to annihilate you? That's why there will never be a ceasefire. And Israel is going to take back Hamas, I believe. Every single war has been initiated by the Arabs. Every single attempt for peace, every single attempt for a two-state solution, Arabs never came, always rejected it, and the response was to go to war. And then they lose every time. Israel has always won, even as, as small as they were. Jews have expressed a willingness to share land. The Arab Palestinians were offered their own state in 1937 and 1947, and most recently, the year 2000. Each time they rejected the offer, responding with violence. Not Israel. So this whole thing we're seeing from the media, and I know I'm passionate about this, because it seems irrational to me. This is so irrational. In 2005, Israel withdraws from Gaza in an attempt for peace. Palestinian gives it to Hamas, a terrorist organization. 1967, Israel gives Muslim temple. Think of this. 
Egypt attacks Israel in 1967. Israel then gains the Golan Heights, Gaza, and Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a neutral place as well as Gaza and Golan Heights. And they take it. They're excited. The soldiers put an Israeli flag over the mosque of the, of the mosque. Immediately, I don't remember if it's the prime minister or the president or what he was called in 1967. He tells them, take that flag down. And within one hour of winning Jerusalem back, the prime minister gives that mosque back to the Muslims. And he commands the soldiers, do not destroy any sacred space of Muslims, Jews, or Christians. So he gives them back Temple Mount. So it's not Israel taking. Israel's attempting to give them multiple times. But you can't negotiate with the people who doesn't believe you even have a right to exist and calls you trash. Anyone who believes the conflict in Palestine is about land is wrong. Let me just say, church, listen to me. If you believe this is about land and sharing land, you are wrong. It's really about the existence of a Jewish people. My last thought is this. I wanted to say this different ways, but I just said, here's what I think it is. An a-, a hatred for Jews is growing globally. You can't hate the people of God and love God at the same time. Israel is the people of God, his chosen people. We as Christians are engrafted into that nation. Paul tells us it's, we're, we are a wild root, a wild plant, and a wild olive that is engrafted into this. this. This is our people too. And it's not just about Jews. It's also about Christians because Christian is born out of Judaism. Zechariah, here's what I think is happening. Zechariah 12. This is God speaking prophetically through the prophet Zechariah. God says, I will make Jerusalem an intoxicating drink. When you're intoxicated, you don't think rationally. When you're intoxicated, you harm people. You say things that you normally wouldn't say. You do things. You are irrational when you're, you're not in your right mind. So God says, I, I will make Jerusalem like an intoxicating drink that makes the nearby nations stagger. This is why I believe those 22 nations that are the 22 Arab Islamic nations around Israel hates them. They are staggering. They are intoxicated, drunk with, with the ideology of to kill these people. When they set armies to besiege Jerusalem and Judea, and on that day I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. All nations will gather against it to try to move it, but they will only harm themselves. In the 1930s, Hitler never came out and said, the final solution is we're going to kill every Jew in Germany, Germany, and they're going to move to Poland. Then we're going to go to Austria. Uh, and then, then we're going to go to Britain, France and Britain. And we're just going to go over. He doesn't say it that way. It's subtle. It's, it's cloaking the language. Israel has been vilified by the media, by universities, by Islamic radicals in the United Nations. And it's all being cloaked. But Hitler doesn't come out and say it. And then this 
Holocaust, six million people killed from an irrational hate. And, you know, and after that happened, there was a rally like this must never happen again in history. And here we are, 70 some years later, repeating history. And we're not coming out saying it. We're just drawing pictures of trash cans. We're just saying by any means necessary. We're calling for a ceasefire, but really what it means is that gives you time to regroup, to come back and kill us again, as you did all through the 2000s, even though you occupied the land, even though Hamas was already in control of it. So it wasn't never about sharing. It was about killing a people. There was a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer who could see it, who could smell it, and he was saying it, and they were calling him crazy. That'll never happen. He gets arrested for trying to take the life of being a part of a plot, which was really loosely his part, but he gets killed for coming against the regime of the Third Reich. Church, I'm saying we need to be Dietrich Bonhoeffers. The heart of that is to be aware of what is happening and not be anti-Semitic, not to be part of this hateful thing that is happening. Let me be clear. Jesus loves Muslims. Jesus died for all of us, every person, every race, every age, every nation, every religion. He died for those people. But Israel was his chosen people to be a blessing to all the other nations. In the 1930s, they were boycotting, buying from Jews. Laws were passed that you couldn't marry a Jewish person. It was step by systematically, just slowly working the minds. It's happening again. Don't buy into it. How do we respond? Then we'll pray. Number one, pray for Israel as God's chosen people. Psalms 122, 6 says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And peace for Jerusalem is peace for the Palestinians. You're not praying against a people. You're praying for peace. We're not praying against Palestinians. We're praying for peace. I want there to be a solution, a two-state solution. If it was possible, I'd want that. Pray for peace. And may all who live in this city, Jews, Muslims, Christians, atheists, may all who live in that city prosper. Oh, Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. Number two, Don't fear global events. Again, I don't like actually talking about this. It's not what I wanted to talk about today. It wasn't part of my plan. I was in a restaurant last fall, October last fall, and I was at a a prayer conference of pastors, and the guest speaker happened to be in the restaurant I was in. And he was... So he sits down at our table and he starts talking with us. And this guy has a passion. His name is Rusty Nelson. Rusty has a passion for Jewish people. And he starts talking to me about, uh, do you know, he asked me if I've been to Israel. I said, no, I've never been there. Plans next year. And he starts talking about, he said, do you know there's pastors that are anti-Semitic? He says, there are young pastors who don't know the history. There are young people in our nation. And he starts, and now as I see that, I, I view that conversation, I never really thought about Israel a whole lot. Other than that was a place my Savior lived. I want to see it one day. I knew that's where the people of God were. But I didn't really look at the global events too much. That's when I started opening my eyes a little. But Jesus tells us, you will hear of wars. 
So what's going on in Israel? What's going on in Russia and Ukraine? And there's other civil unrest in other places where war is happening. See to it that you, Christian, my follower, don't be alarmed by this. Such things must happen, but the end will come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. This is what we're seeing in Palestine. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning pains. So pray for it. Don't fear it. And last is this. Stay alert. Number three, stay alert and pray for the return of Jesus. Jesus tells us, be on your guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. He's speaking of his return. It's like a man going away. I believe Jesus is returning. And I believe he's going to restore all things as it should be on everything that we ever wanted. I believe Revelations when it says he's going to wipe away every tear. It doesn't make sense on this side of eternity, but I believe when we step into a restored earth, a restored, a new heaven, a new earth, we're going to understand things that we couldn't understand on this side of heaven. Jesus is coming back. I believe this with every bone. Now, Peter tells us that people will say, well, you've been saying that for a long time. Christians, you've been saying that for 2,000 years. He just says he's going slow because he desires that none should perish. But he's not slow. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, and each one is assigned their task. We all have a task, church. Let's not buy into anti-Semitism. And by the way, it's the other way, too. Let's not, we're not against Muslims. It's not who we're for and who we're against. I'm just saying there's something spiritual behind it. But we have a task to do. Tells the one at the door, keep watch. Therefore, keep watch. Church, we need to be awake. We need to stay alert of these what's going on in these times. Because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in evening or midnight or whether the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. I think the Western world is asleep of what is going on in the Middle East. And what is going on is very prophetic. Jesus, God talks about a new Jerusalem for his people that we are engrafted into. So he says, watch. Do you know in one night in these last six weeks, there's a Christian organization on the ground in Gaza for humanitarian needs, ministering to Muslims, gives them Bibles, tells them Bible stories. And one night, 200 Muslims had a dream of Jesus. They go back to these missionaries and say, we had a dream last night of this guy, 200. So God is moving. Pray for this. Don't be alarmed. Don't be freaked out. Ask Jesus to be in the midst of all of this. Let me pray for you. Father, Lord, I know this is a hard message and it's complex and nuanced and your heart is not war, but you tell us it will happen. It's a reality of a fallen world. And your word says in Romans that one day all of Israel will be saved. I don't know how that's possible, but your word says it. I believe it. And so, Father, we pray for that nation and we pray for the peace uh, in Palestine. I do pray for a ceasefire if possible, Father. I pray that every ounce of evil would be annihilated. Father, that, that Hamas would not have its way, that your people would thrive, and the ancient hatred for your people, that we would not be part of it. 
So I just pray for wisdom for us, Father, how we respond when this is talked about around tables or places of work or gatherings. Pray for that. and I pray we'd be a life-giving people. And we pray you do return, Jesus. It seems like the world has gone crazy. But I do believe you are in control of history. And I pray that that stays in our hearts. We are not afraid. We are people of faith. We are people of love. We are people of action through, through, with love. And I pray that would be where we stand in the midst of all of this. We pray a blessing on your people. I pray a blessing on this church and our city. In Jesus' name.